creativity is just the act of making change happen. And when we talk about what's being changed, it's the status quo. Now, sometimes the status quo is, you know, the situation or circumstances we find ourselves in. Sometimes the status quo is ourselves. But creativity is a basic human impulse that we all possess, that we have all leveraged to solve the interesting problems and challenges in our own life. Welcome to Mindful Business Founder, the podcast for fashion business founders seeking to build a meaningful and profitable business. I'm Liki Tang, and I'm here with you today to find out how mindful founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. Today, for our last episode of 2020, I'm absolutely thrilled to share my conversation with Scott Perry. Scott is the founder and the chief difference maker of Creative On Purpose, a community and a coaching program that gets you stepping into possibility with intention and integrity. And we will learn more about what it means and what it implies. Scott is also the head coach in Seth Gordon's Akimbo workshops. Scott believes that excellence is cultivated through work that enhances the lives of others. I wanted to have Scott on Mindful Business Founder podcast for some time, and the launch of his new book, Onward, makes it the perfect occasion to hear Scott talk about taking action, creativity, some principles of the Stoic philosophy, and why is it so crucial to be surrounded by fellow travelers in a difference-making journey. I learned some very actionable tips from Scott on how to improve my work and better serve my community. I really enjoyed my conversation with Scott, and I hope that you will enjoy it too. Let's go. Let's go. So it's always scary to start a podcast conversation, especially with someone that you know. I guess that you don't know, but I remember we've known each other for more than a year because you're a coach of the Kimbo workshops, and I've taken so many Akimbo courses. And so I remember you very well, but our interactions became more frequent, I should say, since mm-hmm. the pandemic, because um, I guess that's one of the virtues of the pandemic is that uh, we are constantly seeking connections. And, um, you know, you're one of the person I wanted to, you know, spend more time with because um, something I didn't tell you is that the other day I made a list of my creative heroes, of people I look up to and I want to learn from, and you're part of my creative heroes. So I'm very, very, very glad, honored, and grateful to have you on this podcast. Well, the privilege and the honor is all mine. I feel that's the nicest thing that I've heard all day, for (laughs) sure, maybe all week. Oh, great. I am honored to be, I don't know who else is on your list, but I'm honored to be a part of that list. Well, I I made a very precise list because I didn't want to have a lot of people. I chose them for very specific reasons and uh, also because of your journey. So maybe we can start and uh, you can introduce yourself. Who's Scott and uh, why do you wear so many hats? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my name is Scott Perry. I am a husband and father, a teacher and a musician from Floyd County, Virginia, that also is on the head coach team for Seth Godin's Akimba Workshops and the chief difference maker and transformation specialist at 
Creative on Purpose, which is a community and coaching program dedicated to helping people like you, Leaky, fly higher in endeavors that make a difference. Mm. Can you tell us where you're from and where are you talking from, where you're located at right now? Sure. So Floyd, Virginia is a very small rural community tucked away in the southwest corner of Virginia in the United States. Uh, we're very close to Blacksburg, which is the home of Virginia Tech, and the closest big city, which is not a very big city, is, is Roanoke, Virginia. So it's mostly rural. Very rural. Mm. More cows than people in this county. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, and did you grow up there? Or is it your hometown near you? So I was born in Fort Sill Army Hospital in Fort Sill, uh, Oklahoma, which no longer exists. So I can't actually list my place of birth on Facebook or other social media platforms. <laughs> um, my dad was obviously in the service then. And when I was very young, we moved to Massachusetts outside of Boston. And growing up, we moved around quite a bit, but mostly in the New England area. I went to school in Maine. And in my adult life, I've actually done even more moving around. Lived in Chicago and Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, but for the last 20 years, my wife and I raised our sons here in Floyd, Virginia. So Floyd is very much where I consider myself to be from these days. Mm. This is your home. And um, so you have sons, uh, two sons that are the big sons now. I'm going to ask you a question uh, about the vision of the world you want for your children and also your grandchildren to live in and to thrive in. What's the vision of the world? Well, it's, it's really the vision of Creative on Purpose, which is that we envision a world where everyone is able to explore and develop their potential through doing work that is meaningful, fulfilling, and done with and for other people. We enhance our lives most through endeavors that serve others. That's one of our taglines. You've made a switch to implement the, the vision, the vision of the world for your children, quite recently, actually, because you were a musician mm -hmm. before that. And so maybe you can explain why you made that decision to switch to something much bigger and something completely unknown. And um, yeah, what was the experience? Well, you mentioned Seth Godin, who is uh, our mutual friend and mentor. And uh, in 2016, I entered the sixth session of the Alt-MBA, the flagship program of the Akimbo workshops. Uh, and I entered that program wanting to really level up in my enterprise as an online guitar instructor. I had a, a thriving in-person guitar studio mm -hmm. that was becoming increasingly my main income stream. I wanted to enter the world of doing online lessons a little bit more boldly and profitably. and. I went into that program with that idea. By the time that month was up, I didn't even want to be a musician or a, a music teacher anymore. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew that uh, I wanted to pivot and I wanted to uh, reinvent myself again. And I've reinvented myself several times over the years. And so I just began in August of 2016. I started uh, a blog and I started a broadcast. And through conversation and through writing 
clarified the idea that has become Creative on Purpose. And Creative on Purpose as a brand has only really existed for the last two and two and a half years. So, you know, you can do the math and it took a long time for me to find my way and to really hone in on what it was that I wanted to be doing. But it's been a, a great journey. And, you know, Creative on Purpose is my primary endeavor right now. I ended my career as a performing musician several years ago, and well, I will be ending my career as a guitar instructor uh, before this year ends. So, um, yeah, that's the long, strange trip that it's been. How did you feel? Was it scary? Was it natural? Um... Yeah, that's a great question because you know when you hear people's origin stories about like you know, where how they got where they are. Oftentimes, you do hear people that are really wrestling with fear, resistance, imposter syndrome, and all those kind of things. I'm the firstborn Leo son, born in the year of the dragon, of a very strong-willed Irish woman and a very stubborn Polish man. I have never really had those experiences of fear, resistance, self-doubt, um, you know, reservation. I tend have been all my life somebody that's made a decision and then leapt into that decision, trusting that uh, the solution or the net would appear. Uh, it's how I began a family. It's how I began my music career. It's how I began creative on purpose. And if anything, what I've had to learn the opposite lessons, which is to try to pause and be a little bit more considerate, uh, be a little bit more careful, be a little bit more humble. Um, so the, the short answer is no, it didn't, I didn't have any reservations or hesitation. I just decided and I started doing it. And along the way, I've learned plenty of lessons in humility. Uh, and I've received an enormous uh, amount of help and encouragement and support from people from the Alt MBA community and from the Akimba workshops, from Seth himself. Um, you know, I've just I've been very, very lucky and very, very fortunate to be able to carve my own way. Um, you know, navigate a lot of uncertainty and misfortune and adversity in my own life, but to end up on my feet and feeling really good about where I am and where I'm headed. Yeah, I think we're going to discuss a little bit more about um, dealing with fear and uncertainty and also uh, being surrounded with the right people, um, because that seems to be the secret of your success, of where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. You know that the Mindful Business Founder podcast is intended for independent fashion business owners that are seeking to develop the business in a way that is meaningful, but beyond the traditional artistic expression and um, financial outcomes of the business. Those are people that are already making or trying to make a difference in the industry, um, whether it is um, for the environment or for society. And so sometimes they use a certain material that are more environmental friendly. Um, they have certain practices that are more equal, like some founders employ underprivileged women. So those are people that have already stepped up to the mark because they want to break the status quo in the fashion industry. 
As you know, the fashion industry is one of the most polluting and one of the most exploitative industries in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, those founders want to do something about the status quo in the fashion industry. They are already very creative because it's the nature of the business, of the work, of the trade. But for you, what does it mean to be creative today? What does it mean to be creative? I think creativity, the way I defined it in one of my earlier books, is creativity is just the act of making change happen. And when we talk about what's being changed, it's the status quo. Now, sometimes the status quo is, you know, the situation or circumstances we find ourselves in. Sometimes the status quo is ourselves. But creativity is a basic human impulse that we all possess, that we have all leveraged to solve the interesting problems and challenges in our own life it be begins when we're infants. You know, you are born a non-talker and you see people doing this talking thing and it seems pretty wonderful and you want to do it too. And you change yourself from a non-talker into a talker. Now, along the way, you do a lot of really bad talking before you do some really good talking. But I don't know because I can't be in their heads, but I, I'm doubting that infants are having a conflicted conversation with themselves and dealing with their imposter and resistance and fear as they're trying to become talkers. They are fearless change agents. They are fearless creatives. And at some point, a lot of us lose connection with that instinct, uh, whether it's through peer pressure, societal pressures, institutional learning. You know, we we can blame all sorts of forces for conspiring against um, our continuing to feel an experience of flourishing as creatives. But it's the only way that change ever happens is to leverage this creative capacity of ours. And so that is a real important part of our mission at Creative on Purpose is to help people recognize their creative potential and begin to reacquaint themselves and leverage that creative potential. But it's also called on purpose. So making change happen is one thing. Making a worthwhile change happen is the important thing. And when we talk about being creative on purpose, we mean making change happen with intention and integrity. And I think that speaks directly to, you know, the challenges in your industry and, and maybe in your audience is being very specific and intentional about the change that they want to make and then defining for themselves the values and the goals and the guiding principles that cannot be compromised as they are bringing their vision to fruition. And this is what you call integrity. This is how you define integrity. Yeah. I mean, integrity is knowing who you are, what you stand for. Um, you know, we are, in addition to being inherently creative creatures, we do have this consciousness and rational capacity, but we also have this social imperative. Like, we are inherently social creatures. None of us survive without others. You can't be born unless <laughs> there are others involved, and, and you cannot thrive and flourish unless you are um, surrounded by others. So we are born with this um, necessity to promote and protect each other's ability to flourish as we're doing the same for ourselves. One of the things that I said in my uh, current book is that the, um, the boundaries of your own flourishing extend as far as they can extend until they interfere with somebody else's uh, ability to do the same. And so values and 
virtue, the content of your character, are extremely important. Otherwise, the whole thing doesn't work because if we are acting out of alignment with the values of those that we find ourselves doing the work with and for, then everybody is harmed, including ourselves. And I think this is very in alignment with the idea of mindful business founder, because there's no one size fits all type of approach to fix the problems, whichever mm -hmm. problem it is, and whichever problem you choose to address or things you want to improve. But having the integrity and knowing your values and virtues and being mindful of your actions and consequences of your business decisions and action are very, very important as a business founder, because this is how we create change. And it's very specific to each of us, because um, what I perceive as important as my values and virtues might not be the same ones as yours. And so that's why I believe that it's is important to be surrounded with people that share the same values and virtues as yours. Yeah. Can you introduce us to the Stoic philosophy and how some of the principles can be used and served the business of our business founders? Yeah. So I mentioned that Creative on Purpose has been in existence for just a, a couple of years, and it began its history as the Stoic guitarist, and then later the Stoic creative, and then finally Creative on Purpose. So Stoicism has always been an important part. The Stoic philosophy and Stoic principles and practices have always been an important part of it. What I found was that adding it to the brand was really confusing to people because stoicism really confuses people because the English word stoic means to grimly endure all of life's challenges. And stoicism is very much an ancient philosophy about cultivating a sense of joy and flourishing in any situation or circumstance. And it's not about just grimly enduring. It's about actually embracing. It's an inherent part of my book, embracing uncertainty and navigating adversity and doing that in a way that promotes your own sense of flourishing and the sense of flourishing of others. So Stoic philosophy has been around about 300 BC. It began in Greece, uh, began with a specific individual, Zeno of Sidium, who uh, was shipwrecked, a, a very wealthy merchant shipwrecked and landed in Athens and started s studying philosophy. The basic principles of Stoicism that have fueled leaders like Marcus Aurelius, the last of the good emperors of Rome, but also the founding fathers of the United States, Nelson Mandela in, in South America, and many, many, many other influential and important historic figures. It's a philosophy that is founded on the idea of promoting what in Greek was called arete, which is human excellence or excellence of character. And it's a philosophy that is all about, again, cultivating the sense of flourishing and joy in any circumstance. And it does that by making virtue the only thing that's required. The only thing that is required for you to live a happy, joyful life is to be working on becoming a good person. And being a good person means cultivating or, or doing good with and for others, the social imperative, by behaving in, in ways that are reasonable and rational in a kind of a big, big idea sense, and employing yourself in the, the work of 
becoming a better human being by doing better for others. And so this is, again, at the heart of what we're really doing at Creative on Purpose is promoting our own well-being, enhancing our own lives by doing work that elevates and improves the lives of others. So this is, again, very aligned with the philosophy of mindful business founders that are trying to enhance lives, their own lives, but also enhance the lives of others. I'd like to talk about your book, your new book, Onward, that has come out on Thanksgiving. And when I was reading it, I found it really, really pertinent, really spot on for our listeners, because as you probably have guessed, the fashion industry has been completely shattered mm -hmm. the past 10 months because of the pandemic. And um, on both sides, on the production side, because um, you know all the logistics and the uh, stay-at-home measures in a lot of countries, so that's a problem on the production side, but also on the demand side, because a lot of shops have been closed and um, there are not so many social gathering anymore, and um, and so you buy less and less clothes, and so it's broken on both ends. And as independent fashion business founders, this situation can be very scary because everything's broken and needs to be rebuilt. But at the same time, there's a lot of opportunities because everything needs to be rebuilt precisely. So your book is very, very spot on because even the subtitle, the subtitle, which is where certainty and possibility begins, you know, sums it up. And so I'm going to ask you to elaborate on a couple of concepts on this book. So the first, the first I would like you to elaborate is the gift of adversity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the book, by the way, that I reveal it at the end, is really a retelling of three Stoic disciplines that come from the journals of Marcus Aurelius. And, you know, the three disciplines are the discipline of perception, the discipline of action, and the discipline of will. So simply put, how do we see, you know, how we, do we choose to see things? What do we decide to do next? And how do we do all of this to cultivate our will and our character so that we can continue to be of service and deliver value to others through our continued work? Adverse, you know, you articulated it so beautifully you know, the pandemic has upended everyone's life all over the world. Everything that was working before is really not working like it did. And yet many people are finding uh, new ways that are in many ways better approaches because what the situation has done is helped us see the essential qualities of and the, you know the essentiality of our work and of our basic human needs you know your podcast this conversation is an example of that i think that the need for belonging to be seen heard and understood empathy it's the most basic human need after all the existential needs of food clothing shelter water etc and it's hard you know when we cannot be connected in person we come to realize how important that connection is. And so we figured out 
because we've had all these powerful digital tools for quite some time, we figured out that we can actually get a lot of what we need in terms of belonging, in terms of being seen, heard, and understood from these kind of connections through these kind of meetings. Um, and so the gift of adversity is in part, it reminds us of what's really important because the adversity is really, we just can't do it the way we did yesterday. Mm. The opportunity is we have this creative capacity and this intelligence and this consciousness and this need to be connected, we can figure it out. And we can figure it out by employing not only our creativity and our and our reason, but we can uh, figure it out because we are connecting and collaborating and working together in common purpose. And that helps create stronger bonds person to person and within communities. It helps us come up with better solutions, solutions that serve the basic needs, wants, dreams, and desires of everyone involved and not just the people that have the resources or the power or the authority. And one of the, the things that I share in that chapter is, you know, let's face it, there are some times when there's no silver lining. There's no, there's no solution. And even then, the gift of adversity is we get to practice the very necessary human needs of patience, acceptance, resilience, and so on. So we can still employ adversity as a means to better ourselves by cultivating those very, very important values that um, don't ever really come to mind until things are sideways and upside down. Yeah. And this is what forces us to be more, even more creative on the everyday basis. Yeah. Yeah. And more human. And more human as well. Yeah. Cody Wampole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so <laughs> it's such a great word. Please explain. Yeah, Cody Wample is a is a great word. It's it's a British slang term uh, that's been around for quite some time. And the the basic definition is to to head confidently toward an unknown destination. I came across that word. Uh, my wife and I aspire to travel, and I think we we're navigating around a a, a site. Uh, a travel site that was sharing a bunch of interesting words around travel. And I came across that word. I just thought this is absolutely brilliant because it sums up my entire life. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned this at the beginning. I've always been a person that just kind of, you know, makes a decision and goes with no clear destination, with no clear, no, no, no guaranteed outcome. Mm. Uh, not that any outcomes are really guaranteed. And, you know, heading into, heading into possibility uh, confidently, deliberately, um, persistently, mm -hmm. uh, has been really the story of my life. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Seth earlier, an important part of his approach is acting as if. Yes. And that, you know, this is how we've achieved anything that's worth achieving. You can't study your way to becoming, uh, to, to learning how to write. You can read books, you can watch YouTube videos, you can go to school and 
do all the things you know that you want to do but until you actually take a pencil and put it in your hand and start scribbling on a piece of paper and turning those scribbles into the letters of the alphabet and those letters of the alphabet into words and those words into sentences and those sentences into paragraphs and those paragraphs into stories nothing's you you must learn by doing mm-hmm. and you earn confidence by acting confidently you earn skill by practicing the skill poorly until you can develop it and and practice it well. And so Kadiwampal is is just a, a, a wonderful word that articulates that whole idea that you know you can head into an unknown direction or toward an unknown destination with a determined smile on your face and with a, a song in your heart. And like any journey, it's, it goes a lot better if you surround yourself with the right people and to travel with along the way. So it's more an attitude, right? Very much so. Can you explain the difference, maybe not the difference, but um, how values work with virtues? Yeah, so the distinction I make is, you know, values are your core beliefs, your guiding principles, and they are distinguished from virtues in that virtues are the values that you actually live. So a lot of us pay lip service to truth, justice, uh, empathy, compassion, all these things. You know, we, we often talk about the values that we recognize everybody else appreciates and wants to see. Um, but, you know, you don't have to spend much time with somebody to see that we're not always living the values that we like to talk about. And so virtue is the values that you're actually living. And the point to me uh, is, you know, it's kind of like character and reputation. You know, character is the way who you really are and and reputation is who everybody thinks you are. (laughs) And the thing that we we don't always talk about is that we actually have the ability to influence those things aligning enough so that if they're not the same, they certainly rhyme, that we can... Um, live our values a little bit more and therefore our virtue can be a little bit more aligned with our talk. So it's really just this idea of, you know, it's one thing to talk the talk with values. It's another to walk that talk through virtue. That's very beautifully explained and um, summarized. In your book, throughout your book, which is uh, more of a handbook, actually, because it's very short and very handy, very easy to use, because every chapter ends with a question or a call to action. And it seems that taking action is something very, very important in, um, in the approach of onward. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Epictetus, I think, one of the... Um, best-known Stoic teachers had a, had a uh, maxim that's, that went, learning that does not lead to action is useless, that this idea of learning by doing. And I have found through my work as a coach uh, and as a community leader that people don't need much encouragement to pause and learn or to you know take another course, or to read another book, or to listen to another podcast. I mean, that's that's kind of our default setting. We 
you know, we are inherently curious creatures and we do love to learn. And that's, there's a lot of value in that. But the learning doesn't amount to anything until you actually put it into your life, put it into use in your life. Um, and so it's just one of the things that I encourage in my coaching and in my community is this bias to action, not the kind of like, hey, quit your day job and, and go ahead and start that pottery studio that you've always <laughs> dreamed of. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but to, you know, take care of your responsibilities. We all have the work that we have to do because we mm -hmm. have responsibilities and obligations to fulfill. And, you know, you should do something that you have to do that you can stand that is at least mostly in alignment with who you are and what you believe. But you can also have work that you get to do the passion project, the side hustle. Maybe it's a hobby that you're turning into something a little bit bigger. And you should be working on that too, because we have plenty of time for both. You know, if you turned off Netflix uh, a night or two a week, or just didn't spend as much time on social media every day, you would have plenty of time to do work that's worth doing, do work that enhances your prospects while it elevates the experience of other people. And so basically the call to action in that chapter is, you know, when in doubt, do something. Yeah. Something small. Take a small step into possibility. Try something that, if it works, can be amplified and leveraged to take a bolder step next time. Or if it doesn't work, you'll learn something really important. And if you reflect on that and pay attention and iterate, you can do it something better, even if it's completely different next time. And so the bias to action, I think, is again, uh, something that is like creativity kind of beaten out of us in our young lives that we need to reacquaint ourselves with. We really do learn the most profound lessons and develop the most useful skills and attitudes by actually doing things and not talking about or learning about how to do things. Yeah. And one of the things that stops us from doing the things is that we're afraid of making mistakes, painful mistakes. And um, when you make these mistakes, you realize that it's not such a big deal in the end. And that's why it's very important to have people that nudge you and also people that have your back. And that's why it's so important to be part of a community or have a coach, but something that is here to help you, to give you a benevolent ear, you know? Yeah. And you and I benefit from this in the Akimbo community, you know, in the workshops themselves, which are mm -hmm. communities and containers filled with people like us who are supporting and encouraging each other into taking a little bit of a bolder step into our potential. And then we have an alumni community of all the workshops and you and I have collided in both um, mm -hmm. the workshop communities and forward link. So yes, that part is really, really, really crucial. And the Akimbo workshops, we have Seth and his content and his lessons and, you know, his tips and exercises. And I'm a head coach in Seth's programs. I have a coaching program of my own. And what I've come to understand in both of those capacities is that a lot of people don't want to have a coach. And that's okay because not everyone is ready to step into possibility. Not everybody is ready to develop their potential and deliver on their promise. A lot of people, we are programmed as human beings to, to embrace the status quo. We like to know where we stand and what's expected of us. And even if we have a very low status, at least we know what to expect and where we belong. 
and we, we will fight tooth and nail to stay where we are. Uh, we don't want to move down, but we also, you know, if we move up, we're going to stand a little bit too tall and we're going to get knocked down. You know, it's what you were saying about the fear and anxiety about trying something new or, or to be on a path of making progress. What we know is that in order to excel, in order to develop our potential, in order to start being a little bit more bold and uh, putting ourselves out there, it requires coaching, teaching, mentorship, whatever you mm. want to call it. You know, I don't know of any athlete that's succeeding at a high level that does not have a coach. And, you know, some of the coaches do not have to have excelled in that field in order to be great coaches. I was listening to a podcast where somebody was talking about a swimming coach that was terribly overweight and only had one arm. And he's like the greatest swimming coach of all time and has helped thousands of people that couldn't swim, learn how to swim and learn how to compete. You know, coaching is a posture, uh, a posture of care, of consideration, of compassion, uh, sometimes of, you know, poking with with a pointy stick, um, <laughs> getting under people's skin to get them to take the action that will help them earn the confidence to and the skill to go another step further in their own pursuits and, and with their own abilities. But yeah, um, I can't think of any better way to make progress than to surround yourself with a community of fellow travelers who understand and are on a similar journey and to find yourself a coach, a teacher, or a mentor, some sort of guide to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Right. Where people can find your book and where people can find you because your book is an invitation to take action. And so let's take action. Yeah, well, I want to just thank you for when you were describing my book, we're having this conversation a day after my book came out. And so now I'm he hearing people on social media talk about my book, which is a weird, <laughs> it's always <laughs> a, a very strange thing. But you have mentioned and many other people have mentioned how concise it is. And it was that was really intentional. I wanted to get my point across in as few words as possible. I wanted to write every word that was necessary and not one word more. And the feedback I'm getting leads me to believe that I've done that part well. And I also did want to get under people's skin in a generous, beneficial way to get them to do something. So every chapter, as you indicated, ends with questions, ends with a call of action. Every section of the book ends with exercises and ways to put ideas into action. So I just want to acknowledge um, that, you know, I'm so grateful that the book landed in you and resonated in just the way that I wanted it to resonate. I will say that it's not a book for everybody, because mm -hmm. a lot of people love to read self-help books and mine i'd like to call my books help others books because that's a basic part of my philosophy but they're filed in the self-help category and a lot of people read self-help books and it feels like just the act of reading a book has helped make a change and it hasn't because you have to do something mm. to make change happen so um Onward is available on Amazon as both an ebook and a paperback and if you google Scott Perry and Onward it will be the first thing that comes up. Um, 
if you want to take an even bolder step into possibility, you can look into the blog and the community and coaching program at creativeonpurpose.com. Uh, there's plenty of insight and inspiration to be found. And if it makes sense, there's an assessment tool there that you can take. It's more or less an audit of where you're at in terms of, you know, how clearly have you identified your values, your talents, and your tribe, your endeavor, and then gives you some actionable steps for how you can start to do that work on your own. And of course, there's always the invitation to to join the community and, and become a coaching client as well. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your time. And also thank you for the work that you're doing. It's very, very precious, really. I really appreciate that, Leaky. And uh, having been in a coach-client relationship with you, you are exactly the kind of person that I want to work with because you have this generosity and this care and this consideration for others and uh, just a, a compassionate nature. You're trying to enhance the lives of other people. And so, you know, what a blessing for me, what a privilege and an honor to work with people like you that are being a force for good in the world, because this is how we will all make the world a better place, is by making the difference that we can make within our own sphere of influence, within our own circle of connections and contacts. And if we help enough of those people get what they need, they will help others do the same. And this is how change happens is connection by connection, relationship mm -hmm. by relationship, and effort by effort. So couldn't be um, prouder to be um, your coach, but your friend and a, a fellow traveler on this path. And how delightful to spend this time with you today. Thank you so much for you and the difference that you make. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Bye. Bye. Did you like this episode? If you enjoyed listening to Mindful Business Founder, you can share this with your friends who are also on the sustainability journey. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help other people like you find this podcast. Bye now and talk to you soon.